Okay, good morning. Today's class is Leunishmat Felicia Bat Miriam, sponsored by Solomon Morciano. This whole week, Bizrat Hashem, may his mother have an Aliyah. Also, Bizrat Hashem, Leunishmat Yachmiel Diana Megadalia and Simba and the success in Yerushalayim of Gadiel Lishava, Shefan Lishava, Emmet Lishava, Reina Makhbatovash, Gadiel Lishava, and Bizrat Hashem continued prayers for Rabbi Rush, for him to have Rafur Shalema, Sian Be. Shalom ben Yavne, Rav Shalom ben Yavne, may Hashem help us all in the merits of everybody should try to take on something for his healing. He's, we, whoever is benefited from Rabbi Rush has, should take on something and personally, give, give tzedakah on his name, Shalom, Rav Shalom ben Yavne, and do whatever you can in the merit of whoever is benefited from Rabbi Rush, which, which I think if you listen to the classes, you have benefited from Rabbi Rush. So anybody should definitely do anything in his name, uh, God willing. Uh, God willing, we have an event in Bull Harbor on February 22nd, um, in the Shul of Bahar, not in the Shul of Bahar, but in Young Israel Bahar. Um, we're going to post the info afterwards. Okay, Bishat Hashem, today's class. Really, really great book, The Light and the Fire of the Baal Shem Tov. Really amazing insights and some of the amazing, amazing insights. I was, reading, I was reading it the other day, and I just want to take a couple things that would really, really resonate with me. <clears throat> A chassid once asked the Baal Shem Tov to pray for him and to attain trust in God. The Baal Shem Tov took a piece of garment, took a piece of parchment, wrote some words on it, sealed the parchment in an amulet, and gave it to the chassid to carry on, uh, for the rest of his life. Years later, he opened up the amulet and found in it what's written in Rosh's comment, Be simple with the Lord your God. Walk with Him in simple pity and look to Him only. Do not worry about what's going to happen in the future but receive everything that happens with pious innocence. Then you will be with him, and he will be with your portion. So he gave him the, the ultimate segula, the, the complication became simplicity. It's funny how all the problems become answered when we just go into straight, straight simplicity. It gives another beautiful, beautiful insight here. Why the Baal Shem Tov's prayers were answered. What caused the Baal Shem Tov's prayers to be answered? And he gives us a beautiful paro, parallel of a shepherd. Some religious people ask the Baal Shem Tov, Rabbi, I also study in prayer. I also do studies, but I'm not getting... How come you're getting every single time you pray, you get, the, you get, the, you get answered? What's, what's the, what are you doing differently that's causing your prayers to get answered versus our prayers to get answered? And he says, let me explain it with a, with a parable, replied the Baal Shem Tov. A prince once was, was lost in the way in the woods. After wandering for hours, finally came to a field and a shepherd was gazing his flock. The prince was famished and exhausted. When the shepherd saw him, he took, he took him into the cottage. But what did the poor shepherd have to, to, to honor this person? To honor such a prince? What could he offer him? So he took out a clean white cloth from the shepherd's pouch with great care, spread it over the table. He took a little piece of dry black bread on the, on the clothes and poured the water on the clay cup. Then he humbly invited the, 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 the prince to sit down and he didn't, have a, he didn't even have a bed for him. So he gathered, he gathered uh, grass and he, and he tried to make it as comfortable as possible for whatever he had. The prince lay down gratefully and slept sweet. That was all that the shepherd could offer. He had nothing else in which to honor. No good food, no pillows, no sheets, no beds because the pauper has nothing. But what was he able to do? He did it with great joy and great reverence. When the prince came home, he ordered a servant. You see that shepherd over there? Make sure you take care of him with everything that I have in the palace. And this parable is very beautiful to us. 
Whenever a person's struggling in his life, he's struggling mentally, spiritually, emotionally, it's most likely the person goes, is going to go into contrition consciousness to go to sleep. But whatever you could do when you're in that state, when you're in despair, when you're in a state of anxiety, whatever you could do spiritually at that moment to do for your Creator, even to do a Shabbat with joy, even to do the smallest things with joy, that will be paid to you with great benefits once you do get into, into expanded consciousness. Even if a person is struggling in business and for him to give charity is extremely difficult mentally, spiritually. He doesn't, he doesn't know if he's going to give it away, he's going to lose it. All of this confusion, but he's gonna, you can give him whatever you have. The person has six hours of sleep. He's able to say, you know what, out of my six hours, I'm going to give my creator 30 minutes and sleep five and a half hours. I'm going to meditate and pray for 30 minutes. Those 30 minutes for my creator, it's considered like he gave him the whole world because at that state, that person is not whole. He's a pauper. He's in, he's in need. He, he, he knows he's lacking. And that's what gives you the reward. And that's what causes your prayers to get answered. It's not like when you're going there comfortable. and No, he tests you when a person's in a constriction. This is a beautiful, para, a beautiful answer for our lives. We are the shepherds. We are the doll. We are the, we are the, the, we're lacking light. And we're getting tested many times on what you're doing in those days, in those, in those times. And, with those, and we're constantly, the world is looking, oh, I'm not feeling it. You know, we're, we're, too, we're too interested in feeling it. We're too interested in getting results right away. That's, our, that's the way we're, we're thinking because we, we have a video game mentality. But really, those, those dark days are the days that you get the greatest, greatest amount of reward because you showed up on the days that you could have went to sleep and you should have went to sleep mentally. But you showed up anyway. That's the same thing with this, with, with this guy. The, the, the shepherd should have told the king, what, what, what do you have? I have nothing, to, nothing here. I'm poor. You're rich. Go somewhere else. But he didn't do that. Didn't do that. He took him in and he gave him whatever he can. That's exactly what our Creator wants from us. He wants us to give us exactly what we can, where we can, whatever you can at that moment. And this is why you shouldn't look at the scoreboard. You should just focus on what you need to do at the present moment. That is a beautiful message in anything that will go on. Don't abandon everything because things are not going your way. This is exactly what the Yetzirah wants you to do. A man, a man came to the Baal Shem Tov to learn wisdom and to improve his character. The Baal Shem Tov kept this man for a year and a half before even he began to instruct him. The Baal Shem Tov explained to him that a person's sins dull his heart, covering it over with layer after layer after layer of crust, so that if he rejects reproof. Therefore, before he could begin to even talk to him about Musar and reproving him, he first had to remove the layer in his heart. Also, we are not. We only receive proper. We only receive proper criticism once we get once we're humble and we recognize. Wow, I never saw it that way. But once our hearts are layered with all kinds of beliefs and hatred, etc., any any reproof that we're going to get at that state is going to be just criticized back and going to be blamed. This is why it's very very important. The Hasidic way is really uncovering the heart, uncovering the doubts, uncovering it. Then. You approach somebody first that way. Beautiful concept. The Baal Shem Tov once asked his disciple, a Jewish heart is alive, but a person has to dig within himself to uncover it. It is like digging a well. Sometimes the water is discovered immediately. Other times you have to dig for a long, long time and remove a lot of earth before you get to the water. This is where our today, we see the amount of time we have to spend on noticing. It's very important. I said this, I was just having a conversation with Isaac here. 
that it's very, very important that after, after bitterness comes peace. But first you have to deal with your own bitterness. And this is where, as usually as Jews, we don't like to feel so much. I don't know why, but we're not known to feel that much. We're known to cover it up, etc. You have to feel. Because through the feeling, that bitterness can eventually be turned into peace. Because you know, if you know what you need to work on, then you know what, how to heal. But if you don't know what to work on, if you can't feel, you can't heal. So this is why the Gemara, the, the, Nachman says in lesson 27, that before the Jews got peace, they got bitterness first. They got the Mara before they got Shabbat. Same thing with us. If you want to have a relationship that you have, Shalom Bayit, first you have to fix the bitterness within yourself. And that bitterness has to be turned into peace. And once you're at peace with yourself, then you can deal with other people. Because most people, like I said before, most people end up reflecting versus projecting. And this is dealing because they don't want to deal with their own bitterness. So they'd rather just take the bitterness and throw it at somebody else. Or say that that, cause, that person is the cause of the bitterness. Very, very, very important, this message. Work on your own bitterness. Be at peace with yourself. Then you can go and deal with other people. And this is where the message, this is where the real instructions of life is your job should be a lot more demonstrating and less instructing. Demonstrating more and less instructing. If you're instructing too much without the demonstration, it's not going to work. Because most people are interested more in how you say it, the way you say it, how you feel. There's even a whole, the whole science behind this. How much body language, tone of voice, and the message itself is like 10%. 10% is the message, 90% is the way you say it, and the body language, and how you say it, etc. So this is where it's very, very important, especially with, with dealing with Shalom Bayi, dealing with kids, dealing with all kinds of situations. It's the way you say it. It's very, very, very important. Another beautiful parallel from the Baal Shem Tov. A woman went to the Baal Shem Tov who was visiting her town and begging him to give her a baby boy. She had faith in him that he would, she would give him, give him a blessing and he would be fulfilled. What will you give me, the Baal Shem Tov says. He said, since people usually give offer tzaddik a gift for a blessing. She told him she was poor and she had nothing to give him but, a, but, a, but in an expensive fur cape. The Baal Shem Tov told her to give it to me and then she's going to have a boy. The woman went to, the, to get the katina as soon as she left, the Baal Shem Tov got on his coach and began to travel to Mezibush. She took the cape, followed him, walking from city to city, suffering great hardship until she finally arrived in Mezibush. When she entered the, to see the Baal Shem Tov, he took the katina from her hand, hung it on the peg of the wall, and blessed her that now she would have a, a son who would be a great rabbi and a tzaddik. Why did the Baal Shem Tov ask this woman for her only possession and leave without waiting for her? Because he wanted, he knew that if she gave her, her her gift and followed with great sacrifice, that reward would be matched. So we we all have a something in our lives, a habit that we need to get rid of, and that is the equivalent of the cape of this woman. And this is why very 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 important that you all have something we have to sacrifice, something we have to sacrifice in our life in order to get that reward that we want. And this is why the effort is, is spent so much. Baal Shem Tov could have said, give me the cape. No, but he wanted her to run after it. He wanted her to see her Mesur Nefesh. And according to the sacrifice is the reward that a person gets. That is very, very, very unlike the logical world. Oh, it's not working for me. It's not for me. No, in the spiritual world, it's completely different. It's completely, completely different. Another great concept. Lighting a candle. The Baal Shem Tov once 
said about a number of his disciples, there are candles that need to be lit. It's not simply that they did not shine out to the others, but there is divine souls that were not shining onto themselves. It is impossible for everybody to be ready. There's a vessel, there's a candle, there's a wick, but there's no light. When the rabbis came to the Baal Shem Tov, they were already great scholars. They were men of deeds. They were purified character. They had prepared the vessel, but they had no light. Rab Nachman came to this world to light everybody up. We all have, we all have our intelligence, we all have our things, but we, we, need, we need to be able to get lit up. And that's something very, very beautiful in our lives, to be able to get, get up constantly. Another beautiful, beautiful concept. The Vashem Tov says. He's saying here. Vashem Tov said, Rav Pinchas of Koritz, the Vashem Tov's young disciple, was deeply involved in the studying of the Rambam's books on religious philosophy because he became confused with his faith. Believe it or not, Rav Nachman completely was against a lot of the Rambam's books on philosophy, especially the Guide of the Perplexed. He says that a person could read that, that book, he can have tremendous amount of heretical thoughts, and he could lose his faith. And there was a very big, he was very against, he was, he was, he was for the Mishnah Torah, every, all of his books, but there was that Guide of the Perplexed, really, really uh, created a lot, a lot of havoc. And, and, and Rav Nachman says, a person who reads that book, which is crazy, it's a, it's a Rambam's book, that person can have thoughts of, God forbid, heresy and lose his faith, which is unbelievable. This is why Rav Nachman is very against and any kind of, any kind of even Baal Shem Tov, any kind of books on philosophy that question God. Remember, the purpose of the sukkah, every year we sit in the sukkah. The sukkah could be as wide as possible, but you still have to stay under the shade. The minute you take off the cover of the shade and you lose the schach, you lose everything. It's not kosher. Your wisdom could be completely, completely wide. It could be completely knowledgeable. You could be very expansive in your knowledge. But the minute you start becoming arrogant and that wisdom becomes a way of a person becoming arrogant, it loses the whole thing. This is why the, the sukkah itself represents faith. Because you're, you're recognizing it's a temporary world and God's above you. And this is something that makes us stay constantly, stay grounded. And obviously the, the roof of the, of the sukkah has to be made from stuff that comes from the ground. So just to show you, stay humble. Don't be, be as smart as possible. But being smart without humility can definitely, definitely cause a lot of harm. He realized that this man realized that he had to go to the Baal Shem Tov to have his doubts resolved. But he didn't have enough money for the trip. Just as he heard the Baal Shem Tov arrived in town, he ran to the house of the uh, master. When he arrived there, he found the Baal Shem Tov's followers and he gathered and welcomed them. And he asked them, he was t- teaching him about his faith. He says, when a person begins to have doubts, he has to pray to God to strengthen his faith. It's sometimes we're assuming, you know, Rabbi Rush is, is very big on this. It's not enough just to say, work on your faith with dealing with struggles in life, but you actually have to pray for faith. It's not enough to just inter- internalize it. You have to actually pray for it. This prayer itself increases your faith. Even Rabbi Nachman says, when you say words of faith, that increases faith. Because he's demonstrating the belief that everything happens, including faith, is in God's hands. Imagine, we, we, we ever think, is faith in God's hands? I'm thinking faith is in my hands. No, person has to pray for faith. The Baal Shem Tov then explains this, interpreting the story from Moshe when he prayed in the mountain. And his arms were stretched out to heaven. 
why Yeshua led the people against Amalek. Everybody knows that the wicked tribe of Amalek cooled the Jewish people's faith. When they were at the Red Sea, it was written, they believed in God, then Amalek attacked them. And they became, they had all kinds of questions. The questions that they had were, is God with us or not? At that time, our teacher, Moshe says, taught them to repair their, the faith that they damaged have done by standing on top of the mountain and asking God for, to pray for faith. And the Baal Shem Tov told us that Moshe, what Moshe was doing was giving us a lesson in our lives on how when we stop, the first thing you should do when you're in a situation in life where you're struggling, where you're having questions or doubts, you have to pray for faith. Because imagine going through a, imagine going through a struggle without faith. It's going to take a completely different... Imagine going on, on, on a date without faith. And it doesn't work out. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to blame yourself. You're going to say, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not wealthy enough. I'm not this enough. I mean, what else are you going to think in your head? Imagine going through anything in life without faith. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to blame yourself. And you're going to say something's wrong with you. Or something's wrong with God. But with faith, you accept that there's a much bigger purpose. Something's happening beyond. So those are the moments to be silent and pray for faith. Cut the complaining, cut the victim mentality, and pray for faith. It's exactly what the Baal Shem Tov is telling us here. Very, very beautiful. To labor in prayer, a new disciple came to the Baal Shem Tov, named Rabbi Menachem. He came to the Baal Shem Tov in the middle of his age, and a very accomplished Kabbalistic, etc. He's davening for years. Yet even in his, in his lengthy meditation to prepare for davening, he, 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 didn't, he, he said, I don't feel what I pray. The Baal Shem Tov told him, you have to plow very deeply, he replied. Then the seeds that you're going, you're going to plant will sprout and produce even better fruits. You need to even go deeper and deeper and labor more into your divine service of prayer. But what the Baal Shem Tov was telling this person is very simple. He was telling him that just as, you see, we always know, Reb Nachman tells us a litmus test. When my prayer is off, it's because my, my learning is off. My perspective is off. My spirituality, I'm not learning. So what am I praying for? Fix things. When I'm learning and I have proper consciousness, I'm praying to transform myself. So every time it's teaching you, like, you know, you go to the gym. When your upper body sometimes is weak, sometimes you need to strengthen the legs because the testosterone comes from the legs. The testosterone from the legs gives strength to the upper body. The learning in our lives gives strength to our prayer. That means if, we're just, if our prayer becomes weak, it's a sign, Rabbi Nachman tells in lesson one, that you need to strengthen your prayer. Once you strengthen your prayer, automatically, once you strengthen your learning, automatically your prayer gets strengthened. It's exactly the relationship. And he tells us here, the Baal Shem Tov gave this a talk to, comparing Torah study and prayer. The essence of his comment was, by studying Torah, you're going to learn how to act in this world and do God's will. But by praying, we learn to turn to God every minute of the day. See the difference? By praying, I learned, I become dependent upon Him and I become completely nullified in Him. And this is where the root of most issues are today in our lives. Yes, we're learning, yes, yes, but when things happen in our lives, do we really, really, really turn to the things to Him? And this are, these are just beautiful parables that a person could can really, really internalize in his heart. Sometimes we don't have the head to, to do full-out learning. So sometimes you have to just hear stories and parables. 
And these parables can penetrate the heart and help us, God willing, uh, rectify the, all that we need to do in our lives. So may Hashem help us. Remember the first one. The first one is my favorite one. The importance of, before you do your work, before, figure out first, figure out a self-sacrifice. On a, having, even if you have a bad day, if you have a rough day, even if you do 10 minutes, something for 10 minutes, that is considered like a pauper. This is why our sages say, there's no greater prayer than the prayer of an ani. Ani means, I'm lacking light. This is exactly what happens when a person prays the afternoon prayer. The afternoon prayer, a person has no clarity. He's just trying to get through the day. He's confused. He's lost. That time, that person, a poor prayer, is not required to bring a dove or, a, or, or, or cows. He just brings a pancake. <laughs> He brings a flower because that's all the guy has. He has a flower. And that sacrifice for the poor guy to bring flour, which is all he has, is equivalent to the same thing in heaven as a person that has tremendous riches and that person giving 20, 30 cows. So you shouldn't think there's some days, like I always tell people, there's no such thing as a bad meditation. There's no such thing as a bad Hezbollah to do person could be going through such a turmoil that even if he talks to God for five minutes, that could be considered like you're having an hour his bodidut in the middle of uh, uh, the Bahamas when you're calm and relaxed. That five minutes when you're in turmoil is the same equivalent as, as, a hundred, as a one hour when you're, completely conf- when you're completely relaxed and calm, etc. So you shouldn't judge the meditation. Don't like you brush your teeth. Just brush it. Don't judge it. We judge, oh, is it a good one? Is it a bad one? How do you know what heaven has for you at store at any time? You don't know. You don't know. You don't know what heaven's rewarding. You don't know how much resistance there is. You can't, you can't say that the same resistance is when you're struggling and then when you're, when you're doing very successful on the same time. Because that person at that time, for him to give that 10 minutes is equivalent to that person giving an hour. So our minds, oh, we're, we're quickly to judge. It's good. It's bad. It's good. It's bad. This is an illusion in your mind. Your job is to do as best as you can with what you got. Have a great day.